Hi, this is Brian Cunningham, writer-director of the new psychological monster movie, Wretch, and you're listening to, um, what's the name of this one again? The, uh, the Friday Night Fright Podcast. Well, I've never heard of it, but I'm sure it's a fine podcast. I mean, just because nobody I know listens to it, I'm sure it's still a great podcast. Anyway, even if it sucks, they're talking about my movie, Wretch, which is now available on iTunes and Google Play and Amazon and Vudu, and <sighs> nobody's listening to this, are they? The past, the present, the future, this is Friday Night's Fright, what the planet is listening to. Hi, this is Ian Austin, and this we've recorded after the episode was finished, and after I listened to the um, rather amazing introductions that Brian Cunningham, the writer and director of um, Wretch, did for this podcast, as a favour to me, uh, and holy shit, basically, like, what, got crazy, right, it's like, it, those are far better than anything you will listen to in this episode. So, firstly, I've decided to put one at the front and one at the end because, you know, that way at least I can say the episode starts and ends with something good because how the fuck am I going to top that? Um, yeah, wow, like, sometimes this podcast really is the strangest thing imaginable, but, hey, what can you do? So, thank you to Brian for those unbelievable introductions which made me genuinely laugh out loud um i put one that made me laugh hardest at the front and what the other one at the back but they're both amazing and far better than this podcast deserves but hey i'll take them so i'd just like to say thank you again and definitely go watch wretch you know even if you tune out for us review and the recap go watch wretch not only a great movie, but it's written and directed by a really lovely guy, so there you go. Anyway, on to the fully scheduled review. Hello, this is Ian Austin of Friday Night Fright Fame, and this is the first post-Shadow Mania episode of the show, which is quite interesting because I'm still really fucking knackered from Shadow Mania 2019. A great idea, but not good for the old mind or exhaustion, to be honest. But hey, the wheel never stops turning, and in this case, the wheel's a little movie called Wretch. Which is an interesting story. I was not going to see this movie. Um, or better yet, I didn't know about this movie at first. I only found out because the um, lovely people behind this movie um, decided to find me on Twitter. I, um account on Twitter, which is very cool. And obviously, I'm a bit of a whore of my own safe gratification. And I thought, hey, they're following me. Why not take a look at their movie? I discovered that it was a horror thriller from Fort Fly Films, written and directed by BJ Cunning, to by B-Movie Man. And I figured, hey, why not give it a shot? Maybe it'll be good, maybe it'll be awful. Who knows? So I looked up, and it sounded interesting. And I figured, hey, why not watch it? You know, why not watch it? Why not do a review of it? And being lovely chaps they are, they said, hey, do you want a screener copy? And I was like, holy shit, that'd be amazing. But you guys need money because why not give, why not give them money? Why not buy the fucking product? You know, I'm not big. I'm not a big fancy guy anyway. You know, I, I, I like paying for movies if I can. So I paid for it and I watched it and 
that's how we got here. And I watched it and I, for lack of a better term, I really enjoyed it. I thought it's a really good movie. And know some people probably going to be like, oh, you can't say that's conflict of interest, blah, 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 blah. Nope, nope, I paid for this movie. I was up front. If I didn't like it, I'd criticise it. That's one of the reasons I paid for it, actually, because I think you need to be honest with safe and realise that if someone's going to give you something, I'm sure you can criticise it, and then I feel bad about criticising it because it's a gift and all that. So I'd pay for movies and then watch them. And if I criticise them, it's all fair game. But I watched this and I really dug it. So there's the spoiler-free stuff. You know, I really enjoyed this movie. I'll be going into specifics really soon. But the gist is I really enjoyed the movie. If you don't want to be spoiled in any way, shape, form, stop listening now. I would probably say I would give it... I don't know, like... I don't think four, four out of five. I don't think I'd go that far. Uh, I First viewing, I'd probably go to three point three three and three quarters out of five. No, a good, very good... Review very good mark, but not love perfect because I think you watch a couple of times to really get grips from it. But first time viewing, sorry, really enjoyed it. So I'm trying to get back to swim things. I'm not used to doing fucking weekly episodes, so it's sort of a different dynamic because this has to go beyond ten minutes, and that's an alarm from outside my window. So this has to go beyond ten minutes. I'm gonna shut the window because that's really pissing me off now. So. Anyway, this movie is, um, the synopsis of this movie is, firstly, after night partying in woods, comma, three friends find themselves haunted by presence they can't explain full stop. As they piece together the memories of what happened that night, comma, they begin realising some monsters are more human than animal. See, that doesn't encapsulate movie for me. I'll be going more in detail on what movie is shortly. But I, I feel like that's a nice description to get you into the sort of Sigma, or in this case, digital release. But <coughs> but the actuality of movies is a lot more complex than that. I'd say it's a decent enough synopsis. Um, intriguing, you know, because it's um, a simply found footage movie. And you know how I feel about found footage movies. I fucking hate found footage movies. They are the bane of my fucking existence. But in this case, I thought, well, nice enough following. It sounds like a decent premise, which is trying something new. So why not give it a shot? And I gave it a shot. And I'm disappointed it doesn't seem to have a Wikipedia page. But yes, so I start watching this movie and seeing the characters and all that shit. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I think the thing I enjoyed most about was, and this is obviously from spoiler territory from now, so if you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen. The thing I enjoyed most about was that the characters are all fucking horrible human beings. Fucking horrible human beings. Really horrible human beings. Which is good, you know? It's like, it's interesting. It's more interesting than seeing likeable people on screen. Let's not say acting's bad. The acting's really good, as I'll go into shortly. But it's more the aesthetic of something like Shallow Grave, you know, the um, Danny Wall movie with Ian McGregor, Chris Freckleston, and shit, I can't forget who the female one was in that. That's bad. But yeah, it's that sort of movie where, like, it's... Kerry Fox, that's how I thought it was, but I didn't want to say it and get it wrong. So, that Shallow Grave Office is a British black comedy crime movie, which is a movie about horrific human beings and about a money fucks them all up. 
It was interestingly, it's all about two males and women. But yeah, it's about how they're fucked up by money and something bad they do. Come back, haunt them. And it's great because they're all shits. They're all really horrible human beings. And it portrays a black comedy. It's a very clever script by John Hodges. John Hodges even. But it's really great because it's a really fucked up movie. Where you're not rooting for anyone. You're almost watching in detached sense these shitty people make shitty decisions in their shitty lives. And this is similar, you know? I mean, these guys basically go out in woods to get to take drugs. And then, as the IMDb synopsis puts it, in an attempt piece together, fractured memories of a drug-fueled night in woods, comma, three friends, three friends even, confront geek, jealousy, and supernatural presence, friends dispose their true natures. And that's very true. Because this movie essentially has three main characters. That's Riker, Caleb, and Abby. So, the essential gist is that Riker is like the gothic, you know, hates everything kind of guy. Caleb is the dude bro, and Abby's the female lead, and essentially, Abby's dating Caleb. This is where I like some dynamics movie. Abby's dating Caleb. So you get that up front. Then you get Riker as a thing for Abby. So you get that up front. That's quite simple. That's quite based, you know, definition writing on the surface. But the actual dynamics of characters are really cool because normally we get this stuff passed out over long periods. They nail dynamics really quickly in the opening scenes. You know, namely that Caleb cheats on his woman. I've convinced her to have a lesbian experience. That Riker is a one of those assholes who is in love with someone but too pussy to actually do anything about it. Plays the nice guy. And Abby has some baggage from the past, some serious gay issues, and some hang-ups regarding sex. So we get a lot of characters stuff quite quickly. It's quite a nice movie in that regard, because they pass out the information very quickly, and then keep doing it out throughout the entire movie. And I also like the fact that it seems quite naturalistic, particularly some of the early scenes. But not in that sort of improv way, where sometimes you watch a Seth Rogen movie, and there'll be improv, and you'll be watching it, and you'll just think... You literally have no script, do you? You have nothing. You have nothing to work with. You're literally just saying words to say words. Kind of like what I'm doing now, but in a more, less nuanced way. You know, where you need, you need the story to keep moving. And this script feels like it moves quite quickly throughout everything. So you're not lingering on shit too long. And basic crux of movies, you know, go upwards, some bad shit happens, and follows them back. So in that regard, it's a found footage movie. But in another regard, it's kind of loosely a found footage movie because they make something which I really like, something I wish more found footage movies were forced to do. They differentiate between the found footage aspect and cinema aspect. So you're not constantly having these bullshit reasons that characters pick up cameras. Sometimes it'll just cut to a purely cinematic shot. You know? Where no fa- there's no cameras recording anyone in the universe. It's just a detached camera. Which I love, because you can make a found footage movie, but you don't need to rely on found footage element, you know? If it doesn't make sense for them to have a camera, then just cut to a normal camera shot, you know? Don't have characters pick up cameras for no reason constantly, because that's shit. That ruins suspension for disbelief more than this does, where characters, when they put their cameras down, they're recorded by other cameras. Because, essentially, all that matters is the story being told. And if there's no reason in the story for them to pick up camera, 
They shouldn't have camera in their fucking hands. So I like that. And I think that's a neat twist. I'm not sure if that's something which is intentional or something they stumbled into. Maybe where it was. The um, interesting part about the story I find really is the um, the ways that no one's presented in right and no one's presented in wrong. I mean, by which I mean it's no judgment of characters per se. Obviously, some of them, uh, Dushan and others, like Caleb, is a complete arsehole in every conceivable way. But it's a very detached way of looking at it, which I like. It's sort of like very non-judgmental. Very non-judgmental, which is very cool. So, yep, I, I think in that regard, it's a very cool um, thing for the movie to do. The non-judgmental Martin Scorsese approach. Other things I quite like about the movie, um, the aesthetic, it feels, feels very much lived in. And by lived in, I mean that when they shoot locations, they'll shoot a sizable part of the location. Like the parts of a house. They'll shoot parts of it. They won't try and shove the whole thing. I know that sounds quite weird, but what I mean by that is that it's not showing off for the safe showing off. The how the shots are designed to follow the action rather than the action following shots, if that makes any sense. An example of this be if I shot the scene in my flat at the moment, you know, there's no reason for me to show, show you kitchen. I don't need to show you kitchen. That can be on periphery of frame. So it's there, but it's not there. But if there's a reason to show you kitchen, it should be shown. And I like that, because obviously they did make everything. I'm sure they make every part of the house, like Riker's house, for example, but they only show parts they need to show. But then you knew that it's a full house around that. It's quite an interesting dynamic, because a lot of times they'll show everything. And Sigma is about what you don't show as much as what you do show. As we get to a point where... There are reveals later on for the monster. And it's quite important that for the sake of that, that I've always been a proponent of you don't show fucking monster for as long as possible, you know? You really shouldn't show monster if it's not a very good monster. And yes, we're walking. I tripped over there, that's fine. You know, you shouldn't show monster unless you've got a reason to show monster. And this movie does... Have a monster. Sorry, I'll put major spoiler warning in this review. But the way they shoot it's very cool because they do it in a very matter-of-fact way where they don't draw too much attention to it. Um, sorry. Um, what about the acting? I like the acting. I think the acting's good. Um, like I said, very naturalistic. Um, so that's that's interesting. Uh Decent, decent psychology point to some characters. They give them some weight, some pathos that you might not normally get in movies such as this. Um, yeah, here's some heavy themes, actually. Uh, the themes of um, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, sex addiction, and some references to Me Too movement. So, that, which I'm not sure if they're intentional or not, but quite relevant nowadays. Abby, in particular, feels very much exploited by the system, which is sad, you know. I mean, she, if, in terms of characters, she's probably the most likable one in the entire movie because she feels somewhat victimised and somewhat abused by double standards of male and female sexuality, where 
she's penalised for sleeping people, but Caleb's celebrated for it. She's a slut, but he's a, a, a pimp, you know? And that feels quite powerful. And seeing later on where she has a breakdown, that's really fucked up. That really hits home hard. Obviously, I don't think they've been for anything quite like that. But that feeling of betrayal is quite universal in some regard. Not the exact feeling, but sort of the um, tonal edge edge of screen feeling. So yeah, that's really messed up. That's actually my favourite scene in our movie. Because the whole movie plays on the theme of what's real and what's not real. And who are real monsters? But for that one scene, you just see a woman whose life has been fucked over by this asshole, exploited by her own words from later on the movie. And that's one of the reasons I don't think this was particularly improvised because there's a lot of stuff that starts at the beginning and pays off at the end and stuff like that. And I don't think you can improvise. Or if you do improvise, you're a goddamn great improviser and you can figure this shit out on the fly, which is quite impressive. So I would say, yeah, I, so I really enjoyed watching Wretch. Um, yeah, really enjoyed watching Wretch. So this is like the review of it, um, but I'll be doing recap in a moment. Um, the recap, obviously, would be completely spoiler-packed. So if you don't want to be spoiled for the movie, don't listen to the recap. But if you do want a humorous sort of recap of the movie, that'll be coming up in just a few seconds. And that's time to recap Wretch. Obviously, if you don't want to be spoiled, turn away now. But if you do want to be spoiled, <laughs> you're going to be going to get spoiled. So this movie starts, as all good movies do, I believe, as sort of out of context, in a police station. No, it doesn't. Wait, what am I talking about? No, it starts in the house. But a crazy laughing woman who's laughing like, ha, 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 ha. And boyfriend's like, why are you laughing? And she's laughing. She's really laughing. Her name's Abby. So this is Abby. Stop laughing. But she keeps laughing. And then cops show up. And they're like, oi, stop laughing. And she's like, ha, ah, And crying with laughter. And they're like, don't cry with laughter. Don't do it. And boyfriend's like, no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. I'll talk to her. And they're like, dude, she's covered in blood. we got to arrest her. And then... Her boyfriend's like, no, no, don't rest her. And then there's chaos and they start screaming and they start wondering why her boyfriend's recording it on camera. And then we cut to a nice neat cut of her laughing, her partying. At first I thought, hey, it's graduation party, yay. And turns out it's graduation party. But when that says not her mum, it's a random blonde woman who may or may not be uh, her partner. Then we find out, no, it's not a partner. It's a random blonde woman named Kara. And her boyfriend's like, come on, Abby, make out with Kara. And Abby's like, no, no. And he's like, please, it's my birthday. And she says, no, it's not your birthday. But he says, please, and says, okay, and kisses Kara on the cheek. And her boyfriend's like, no, 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 no. It's your graduation party. you got to make out with her. And Abby's like, fine, say so kiss slightly. And he's like, that was good, but I want to record it from another angle. And she's like, no. And he's sort of like... We can take off your shirts, and Abby's like, fuck it, you know, and then starts to make out Kara, and then they fall to the couch, and she melts her. And F1 at this point thinking, did I, did I stumble into a porn? Is this movie or porn? Turns out it's not movie or porn, it's just character introduction scene, because right next door is Riker, not Riker of Star Trek, a weedy looking goth kid who's angry because he's secretly in love with Abby, but he also thinks Caleb's a bit of a douchebag. So they get into a debate and find out that Caleb and Riker aren't friends, or they might be friends, they might possibly be friends. This movie's already very complex. So 
Abby says to Caleb, I don't want to fuck this woman, I want to fuck you. And he says, oh yeah, I'll fuck you. And they go off to his room, but then Abby passes out. Dear Abby, indeed. She passes out, he walks out and says, my gay friend's passed out. Riker accuses him of being a date rapist and he says, dude, not cool. But then Kyle walks up to him and sort of like, I just talked Riker and I got some bat story. But now I really fuck you, you have a nice ass. And Caleb's like, I could resist, but I'd rather not. And they start making out and Riker's like, you dirty motherfucker. And then Riker watches as Caleb and... Kara go off to a room and they make fuck, which is definitely a term people use nowadays. The next morning, we cut to the aftermath party where Abby is naked in bed. And right, Caleb's sort of like, Come on, baby, I want to see your breasts. And she's like, No, no. And so, like, I want to see them. I'm going to record them on my camera because I've got a fuckable woman. And Abby is sort of like, Okay, she shows her breasts. And Caleb's like, I'm loving you. He, look, he does that look, all guys do, sorry. And says, please, 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 Abby, please, let me record you. Record you make out. I need you to consent me to make por- homemade porn. Absolutely. I'd rather not. He's like, I'm not saying I'd use online. Just saying, if I did, would you consent? And she just eventually says, okay. And from there, a bunch of teens are going into the woods, bruh. It's that sort of movie. But we get complex dynamics because Riker loves Abby. Abby is scared of being seen as a slut or being seen as a slut in a bad way. And Caleb is just like, man, I just want fucking thing to move. Some Ringo Starr, baby. So they're out in woods and they do some drugs because that's what you do in woods or that's what some people do in woods. I'm not saying I do in woods. I go to woods and if I did go to woods, I would not do drugs, especially not drugs these people are doing. I've said too much. Anyway, they're in woods and scenarios involved where Riker apologises to Caleb and says, dude, I'm sorry I called you a dick and date rapist. And Caleb's like, no, no, it's okay. I, I accept you apologising to call me a dick. And they leave unspoken that he's not upset and he's called date rapist. And so they're all bonding woods and they do some drugs. And then Caleb, I think, passes out. Or he's tripping out, so Riker and Abby go for a walk. And they're talking, and Riker's like, Abby, you're gorgeous. And she's like, gorgeous? He's like, yeah. And she's like, I'm never called gorgeous. And so like, what, really? you never called pretty? And she's like, no, no. My boyfriend says I'm very fuckborn. Riker's like, that's kind of the same thing. It's really not. Like, he says I'm fuckable, but he never says I'm pretty, so it makes me feel trashy. And then they bond over. Her dad called her shameless slut. And she's like, why should I feel ashamed being a slut? And Riker's like, uh, what? And Caleb, and she's just about Caleb. He fucks anything that moves. No one calls him slut. And Riker's like, Riker's like, I just called him date rapist yesterday. But Abby's sort of like, no, 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 it's different. It's different. And anyway, Riker's like, I like you, Abby. And she's like, what? No. And so like, we'll go back to this in about half an hour. So then they wake up next morning and, oh, shit, they're all really concerned. Something happened in the woods and they blacked out. But they don't know what. And then over the next few weeks, it's, I can't really follow the timeline of the movie, more and more weird shit happens. There's footsteps, there's banging on doors. Abby's having them dreams about something in woods and symbols and shit. And Caleb's sort of like, no, Abby, no, nothing's happening. It's all, all explainable via science. 
And Abby's like, you motherfucker, you don't need to pass science. And Caleb's like, science! And Riker eventually bats off from him because he did something in Woods and he's not sure why. He thinks he must overstep boundaries with Abby. So then we cut to the police station and Abby's asked, did you bite him? And she's like, I bit him once. And police officer's like, you bit him more than once, but I can't prove it. Spite your teeth, Marts. Can't prove it. So we'll move on. So in this point of the movie, you get kind of a weird dynamic where you get mystery elements. They keep jump, occasionally they'll jump forward in time to remind you shit gets real and Abby's covered in blood. And Riker's nowhere to be seen, so is Riker going to die? Interesting point. Maybe, maybe not. This is my recap, so I'm going to continue. So from there, we get um, more and more weird shit. And Caleb's sort of like, Abby, nothing you see is real, but I think we stopped Riker. And Riker's sort of like, look, I told you, I want none of this. So Riker and Caleb get into a fight, and Riker punches Caleb. Who then says, and he's almost given concussion. Abby's sort of like, I told you to leave him alone. Caleb's sort of like, he knows what happened. And Abby's like, I know what happened. Weird shit. And Caleb's like, no, science. Science happened. We need to get a whiteboard and science that shit. So then fucking Abby is sort of like, oh no, I'm going to have more nightmares. Oh no, there's a symbol. Oh no, someone's more dog shit through the house. And Caleb's sort of like, you told you not get a dog. And Abby's sort of like, we don't have a dog, Caleb. Caleb's sort of like, science, it must be a dog. There's dog shit everywhere. And Abby's like, maybe it's a demon who's walking shit into the house. And Caleb's sort of like, no, no, no. So eventually Caleb goes to see Riker again and sort of like, you need to talk to Abby. And Riker's like, no, I don't. Caleb's sort of like, she'll listen to you. And Riker's sort of like, you're literally her boyfriend. She'll listen to you. And Caleb's like, dude, I fuck anything that moves. She won't listen to me. So Riker's like, fine. And he goes to see Abby. And he's sort of like, Abby, what do you remember? And Abby's like, nothing. So Riker's sort of like, Abby, what do you remember? And she's like, nothing. So Riker's like, sort of like, Abby, what do you remember? She's like, nothing. So I'm like, think! And she's like, no. And it's sort of like, what do you dream about? And she's like, I, I don't remember. And she's like, what do you dream? And she starts freaking out and goes, I remember, I remember. It's Calibron's back. It's sort of like, Riker, what the fuck? And it's sort of like, she dreamed. She knows what happened. And Caleb's sort of like, science happened. And Riker's sort of like, no, some shit happened. So Caleb and Riker get into enough fight. As Abby starts freaking out saying, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember. And then she goes to sleep. Not long afterwards... Abby starts hearing banging on walls and shit like that. And then she finds that Caleb's getting more and more distance. We find out that he's going to strip clubs a lot and fucking random women. And Riker is like, Abby, tells Abby that she needs to explore what happened and admit it. So then Abby fucking looks at Caleb's laptop and finds that he's posting porn, revenge porn, except it's not revenge. So it might be revenge against the entire female species. And I'm not joking, this next scene's really, really fucking good where she has breakdown over it. And it's very pathos and very emotional and very tense because obviously the Me Too movement and all that shit greed a lot into the scene. She has breakdown. And for that point, Caleb says that she sleeps all day. She records him and says, come on, baby, give me a show. And he doesn't get hints. And during the video, she obviously finds footage of her making out with Kara, footage of Caleb fucking Kara and random woman, and footage of her getting taken doggy style by Caleb and not enjoying it very much, which goes against what she said earlier, because she's not enjoying sets, so they're sets. So then fucking Caleb and Riker continue their bullshit. And then Riker 
gets Abby to understand what she experienced that night and it turns out that she believes that she had sex with Riker. Not necessarily consensual, not necessarily non-consensual. Sort of like Riker kisses her a bit, she says no, but then they get down to it. So it's technically is a form of assault, but it's framed in a slight ambiguous way. She doesn't enjoy it, but she didn't enjoy sex of Caleb either. She's clearly got some hang-ups with that. So it's kind of creeping that regard, but there's just enough leeway. But then Riker asserts he was not there. And Abby starts freaking out, and you start realising that she fucked, she may have had sex with a weird demon baby, no, no, looked like Riker, and she sees weird shit in woods and what looks like a weird monster, and then she starts really freaking out. And from there, it's peer of Abby getting more and more freaked out before she gets a phone call from Riker, and Riker's sort of like, Abby, are you okay? And Abby's like, Yes, and he's like, Abby, okay, are you okay? Are you okay, Abby? And she's like, What? He's like, Abby, my mum got struck by a smooth criminal, and Abby's like, we call a doctor and so like, I can't. You need to come over. And so I, I'm not trained medically. And Riker's like, no, come over, please. My mum, she's dying. So I get into an ambulance. Right? So I'm like, no, I can't. So Abby goes over there and walks in the house and she finds Riker has turned into a weird animal. He's like, Row! and Abby's like, what? And Riker's like, Row! and Abby's like, what? And Riker's like, and Abby's like, what? Fuck. Riker charges at her and runs into the fridge and goes, Ow! And Abby ducks, so she starts fighting Riker. He gets a nod on her, but she starts biting him. Riker's all like, Row! And Abby's like, oh, biting him works, so she bites him more times, which ties back to the start. Keeps biting him and then bludgeons him to death and then keeps biting him and says, only stops when she realises that she's investing in some form of cannibalism. The police come and arrive and arrest Abby. You can't hold her on anything because, you know, technically it's safe defence. Technically, if you bite someone six or seven times, it's still safe defence. So Riker is dead, and they find out his mum's dead, sister's dead, and Kara's in basement dead for little bits of her carved off. So Abby's freaking out at this point, so she goes to hospital and is institutionalised, and she starts trying to calibre what's going on. And he fucks it. He's still fucking anything that moves. So he talks to her a few times. And then she whispers in her ear what's going on. In his ear what's going on. Caleb doesn't believe her. So he starts fucking about. And then goes back to hospital one day. And she whispers again in his ear. He walks in the hallway. And he sees the fucking... Some sort of monster. And monsters sort of like... Points at Caleb. Points back at him. And does the come hither gesture. And Caleb's like, yeah. So he walks into Abby and chokes to death. The movie ends. It's a bit of a trip. A bit of an interesting movie. Um, this is obviously recapped the entire movie. Um, so hopefully you haven't listened to this unless you've seen the movie. If you have, I apologise. It was very, very entertaining movie. Very weird, very abstract, but very good. And I hope you guys enjoyed the new structure of Friday Night Shudder. Friday Night Fright even. Friday Night Shudder's last year. Um, it's going to be like this now. So we're going to do a review and a recap. Um... And occasionally change it up. But yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad episode of stuff going on. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And I will see you next week for something new. I'm not sure what yet. But as always, remember, life is beautiful. Hi, this is Brian Cunningham, writer-director of the new psychological monster movie, Wretch. And you're listening to Friday Night Fright Podcast. It's a great podcast. I've been listening for years. 
I did not just hear about this two days ago on Twitter and decided to message them and try and get some free publicity for my new movie, Wretch, now available on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, and Vudu. I'd never stoop that low. It would be extremely disingenuous and manipulative. Once again, that's Wretch, now available wherever fine horror films are sold. Visit us at wretchmovie.com and be sure to give us your money.